0: WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simply portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. (laughs)
1: has three elements. First of all, there must be a knowledge of the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There must be a knowledge of the truth. It's not a blind leap in the dark. There's knowledge there. Secondly, there must be agreement with the truth. You must give mental assent to it. You must agree with it. But don't stop there. Because if you do, then all you'll have is an intellectual awareness of the truth. That's all you'll have. And that's not what faith is. It is not an intellectual awareness of the truth. Yes,
0: indeed, it is much more than that. And we will learn about that all-important third element of faith today on Verse by Verse. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. We're glad that you could join us today as Pastor-Teacher Steve Kreloff continues this series of lessons from the first three chapters of the Book of Romans. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. There are many misconceptions about faith. I have heard it said that faith is believing in something for which there is no evidence, a leap in the dark, if you will. I've also heard that the object of faith isn't really important just as long as you have faith in something or someone. Those ideas work just fine as long as we don't use them in dealing with how we believe we can get to heaven. That's a very special kind of faith and Pastor Steve will deal with that kind of faith today as he continues to unpack this critical passage in Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 31. These particular verses are the pivotal point at which Paul concludes his prosecution of mankind and reveals God's amazing plan of redemption. Now here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson.
1: Man came to the Lord Jesus one day and said, what's the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? You know what the Lord Jesus said? in my paraphrase, love God with everything that's in you. Love him all the time with all your heart, your soul, your might, your strength. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Second greatest commandment. Do you know anybody who loves God like that? I don't. I don't. And yet there are some people who do not think that they've broken the law. Jesus said the law hangs upon this one commandment. Love God with everything you've got. I have a friend who uh, a number of years ago came to know the Lord as a savior. His wife was from a religious background, from a uh, denominational background, and she refused to believe that she was a sinner. But the one thing that he was able to to use with her, that the Lord used to convince her of her need for righteousness, was that very commandment. She could not admit that she loved God with everything that was in her. And that is the greatest commandment. If you think you've kept everything else, which you haven't, and you haven't kept that, which you haven't, and neither have I, then you haven't kept the commandments. Even though... God is very clear in His Word that righteousness is apart from the law. There are scores of people who refuse to believe this. They go through life trying to get right with God by going to church, joining a church, being kind to others, denying themselves, refraining from certain behavior. You know, the attitude says, if I just stop this and I don't do this, then God will accept me. Or I get close to God. Or I get right with God. But true divine righteousness is apart from anything that we do. That is very clear. I don't know how the Word of God can make it any clearer than this. The Apostle Paul, before he came to know Christ as his Savior, thought that he could get to to heaven by his own righteousness. He says in Philippians chapter 3, he did all these things. He had everything going for him, but he said, it's nothing. I've exchanged that kind of righteousness, which is no righteousness for the righteousness which is by faith in Christ. You know why some people think that, uh, that righteousness comes by things that they do? Even people who have, may have heard these messages in Romans, and we've been hitting home on this hard. I'm convinced the reason that some people refuse to believe that righteousness comes uh, apart from law is because they really don't know how sinful they are. They just don't know the depths of that sin. They haven't had, as yet, their mouths silenced, as as Paul says. They think they're good enough to get to heaven. And I, I think that part of it is the American pioneering spirit. Not that this is limited to America, but that pioneering spirit which says basically this, we forged our way out west. We've come from another country, and our our heritage is back in the old land, and we came here, and we made a new land and a new life for ourselves through what? Strong determination and effort. And that's how we face everything in life, even heaven. It's the philosophy which says God helps those who help themselves. But that is contrary to the Scriptures. That is absolutely contrary to the Scriptures. Because Paul is saying in verse 21... That God gives righteousness to those who know they can't get it themselves. In other words, God helps those who can't help themselves and will admit it. That's what the Bible says. Now, you know, that is astounding when you hear it for the first time. That is astonishing when you hear that for the very first time, that, that righteousness comes apart from anything we can do. It really sounds peculiar if you've never heard it before. That's the kind of thinking that was going on in the minds of the Jewish people at Rome who were reading this letter. Paul understood that, that they would, uh, that would be just opposite. God helps those who can't help themselves. That just is contrary to their whole theological system. So the Apostle Paul, in anticipation of knowing what his Jewish readers are thinking, and some may be thinking that right here, He unfolds to them another truth about this righteousness. Not only is it apart from law, but it is attested to in the Old Testament scriptures. Look at the end of verse 21. It has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, why did Paul say that? Because Paul was, was accused of inventing Christianity. You ever hear that? Liberals say, well, this is Paul's religion. Paul is the author of this. Paul invented this whole scheme called Christianity. Absolutely false. And there were some at Rome who were saying, it's Paul's gospel. It's not God's. What's this new message that he has, this new philosophy? And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, what I'm saying is not new. It is attested to in the Old Testament scriptures. God announced it back in the Old Testament. The Jewish scriptures give forth the same message that Paul is giving, that righteousness comes apart from the law. The expression of the law and the prophet's is very simple it simply means all of the old testament the law is the first five books written by moses and the prophets are everything else and paul is saying look it's not new with me it is an old message attested to by the old testament scriptures now did the law ever teach the fact that righteousness is apart from keeping the law Did the Did the old testament ever say that absolutely the law said it the prophets said it where well listen at the heart of the law is the whole sacrificial system. That system of the law that's, that said that because of sin, an animal, unblemished, needed to be sacrificed upon the altar. When the sinner in the Old Testament, the Old Testament Jew, would lay that unblemished lamb or animal on the altar, he would put his hands upon that, that animal And when that animal was killed and the blood was was draining and dripping, do you know what that signified? It signified that the sin nature and the sinfulness of that man or woman was transferred to the animal. But there was another exchange, another transaction. That unblemished character of the animal was transferred to the person doing the sacrifice. There was an exchange of character. The animal took on, symbolically now, symbolically, the animal took on the sin of the person, and the person took on the unblemished character of the animal. That was the heart of the law. That's why as you go through Leviticus, you see all the sacrifices in the sacrificial system. The heart of that is the truth that man couldn't keep the law. If he could keep the law, why would he need a sacrifice? He needed righteousness some other way. And every time he sacrificed an animal, it was the law's witness that God would eventually provide a savior to take away their sins and make them righteous. Because God says specifically in the book of Hebrews, the, the blood of animals couldn't do it. All they were what was just a type or a pointing to the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. They were just pictures. They were shadows. But when Christ came, he's the substance. And not only did the blood sacrifices bear witness to righteousness apart from law, but the story of the father of the Jews. Who's the father? Abraham. The father of the Jewish people, Abraham, illustrates this truth. If you just jump over to Romans chapter 4, look at verse 2. And that's Paul's great illustration to the Jewish people who said, Look, it's a new message. We never heard this before. Paul is saying, You should have heard it. You've misinterpreted the Bible. Verse 2, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Not what you say, he says to his readers, but what does the scripture say? And Abraham, and he's quoting from Genesis, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That belief is apart from the law. Now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Paul is saying, look, the father of the Jewish people, Abraham, illustrates that. He was saved before the law ever came into existence. You know, Abraham lived 400 years before the law of Moses.
0: In just a minute, Pastor Steve will be back to share with us what the Old Testament prophets said about the source of righteousness. Let's just take a quick break to say hello to those who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has an important announcement to share with you before we resume our lesson.
2: Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. I wanted to take a few moments today to tell you how pleased I am that you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify God. I hope that you've been learning and growing in your faith as you've listened to our broadcasts. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, which is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse.
0: Let's return to our lesson from Romans chapter 3 and the source of our righteousness.
1: How about the prophets? The prophets give forth the same consistent witness. They predict the coming of the righteous one who would make men righteous by dealing with their sin. Isaiah said he was bruised for our iniquities. Why would he say our iniquities if the law said that you could get to heaven and be righteous by keeping the law? Jeremiah called the Lord, the Lord, our righteousness. Why would he call him our righteousness if we don't need that righteousness? We're righteous in ourselves. Ezekiel promised that he would, and I quote, save them from all their uncleanness. Why would he say they're unclean if they were clean? And Daniel spoke of the time when Messiah would would usher in a time of everlasting righteousness. Why? Because they do not have that righteousness now. Now, just as Abraham was the illustration of the law, witnessing to righteousness apart from the law, so King David, the other great Jew, in their thinking, illustrates the same thing. Illustrates the prophets sounding forth the same message. Look at Romans chapter four, verse six. Through eight. You see, Paul uses in Romans 4 the two of the greatest Jewish people in all their history. And he says, look, that was the way it was with them. So don't think that it's any different now. Verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. He quotes David. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Why? Go back to verse 6. It's righteousness apart from works. A number of years ago, I was speaking with an individual. And I don't even remember how the conversation got around to this. But he made this statement to me. He said, you know, in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law. I said, no, they weren't. That's absolutely wrong. They were not saved by keeping the law. How were people saved in the Old Testament? Did God have two different plans? You know, some people think that way. Well, in the Old Testament, it was by law. In the New Testament, it's by faith. Listen, it's always been the same. It's always been by faith, apart from law. People were saved in the Old Testament the same way they are saved in the New Testament by believing the Word of God, by trust. How were they saved in the Old Testament? You say, but they didn't understand completely about Jesus. That's true. They didn't understand completely, but they understood enough. An Old Testament individual who knew that he was sinful, understood that he was a sinner, and looked to God to provide a Savior, regardless of whether he knew how God would provide that, provided that he would look to God to provide a Savior, that person was saved. That person was was redeemed. Every time he sacrificed an animal on the altar, he was acknowledging his need for a Savior. He didn't understand clearly about Christ, the Messiah who would come, but he knew that salvation would be provided by God apart from keeping the law, and he knew that it was wrapped up in the sacrificial system. So men and women were saved exactly the same way that we're saved. They looked forward to the one that God would provide, and they believed that God would somehow provide. Their trust, their faith was in God for salvation. We, on the other hand, look back 2,000 years to the one that God has provided. Granted, we know more about the one that God has provided, but it's still looking to the Lord for his provision. God has never changed his plan to save men. It's always been consistent. Now, while the Old Testament saying, as I said just a moment ago, new righteousness was apart from the law, and he had to believe God's word about his sin and deliverance from that sin, in the New Testament, God is very specific and the message is very clear how one obtains this righteousness. This righteousness, Paul said, is apart from the law, it is is attested to in the Old Testament Scriptures. And number three, it is available through faith. Available through faith. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's stop there. How does anyone get this divine righteousness which God requires, which no one will ever stand in His presence unless they are clothed in this righteousness? It's through faith. Through faith. Now, the question is, what is faith? I mean, everybody speaks of faith. You know, uh, years ago, a baseball team, you got to believe. I don't know what they had to believe, but everybody, yeah, I have faith. Faith has three elements. Three elements. First of all, there must be a knowledge of the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There must be a knowledge of the truth. It's not a blind leap in the dark. There's knowledge there. Secondly, there must be agreement with the truth. You must give mental assent to it. You must agree with it. But don't stop there. Because if you do, then all you'll have... Is an intellectual awareness of the truth. That's all you'll have. And that's not what faith is. It is not an intellectual awareness of the truth. In James' letter to his readers, he says, Look, real faith is not like demonic faith. What is demonic faith? The Bible says the demons believe and they tremble. And what James is saying is, don't think because you have an intellectual awareness. That you have real faith. Real faith is not like demonic faith. Demons believe and they tremble. Why? Because they don't have righteousness. They haven't been declared righteous. So our faith is different than that kind of faith. It is not the faith that says, yeah, I believe in Washington and Lincoln. That's just intellectual awareness of facts. That's all. Knowledge of the truth. Agreement with the truth. But then you must trust the truth. You must trust. That is the third element, and that's what brings saving faith together. It is trusting in Jesus Christ and what He has done for us on behalf of our salvation. That's what faith is. It is trusting in Christ alone, not trusting in Him in the law, keeping the law, not trusting in Him in baptism, not trusting in Him in church membership. It is trusting Christ and what He's done on the cross for us and resting in Him and Him only. In other words, faith is looking away from yourselves and only to Christ for salvation. Faith is trusting in Christ and his death on the cross as the basis for salvation. And when you trust him, God puts it on your eternal record that you are righteous in his sight. And let me explain something. It is not faith that saves you. That is simply the instrument that God uses. It is Christ who saves you. Don't be mistaken by thinking you have faith when your faith is in your faith. Let me explain that. Don't get hung up about how much faith you have to have to be saved. There are many people who who get so wrapped up in faith that they forget that the object of their faith is the person of Christ. It's not how much faith you have that saves you. It's who your faith is in. Don't put your faith in faith. Put your faith in Christ. The Bible says your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. What what does faith do? Faith, Faith has knowledge of that. Faith agrees with that. And faith simply trusts that. That's all. It is so simple. It is trusting. It is relying upon. It is putting your whole weight for all of eternity upon Christ and his death for you on the cross. It is not just trusting his teachings. It is not just trusting his life. It is trusting that he, the righteous one, died in our place and paid for our sins. And I simply trust that. I rely on that. I rest in that. Christ is the object of our trust. Faith is merely the tool to provide, that God uses to provide righteousness for us. Otherwise, let me tell you otherwise, if you if you don't follow that, you know what it is? Then faith becomes a, a work. See, faith is not a work. If faith is something that I can can have in myself, and it's a work, then you know what? Then I can boast about it. You ever hear little children? I think it's a universal expression. Nanny, nanny, boo boo. You know, I mean, if you ever hear all around the world, they say that nanny, nanny, boo boo. I don't know what it means, but exactly. But uh, but I have the gist of it. It means I've got something that you don't have. So there. That's that's the, the heart of it. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is God's gift. Not of works, why? Lest anyone should boast. If faith were a work, then you can boast about it. And you can get to heaven and say, I had faith, and he didn't. Look at me, I can boast. See, it's not. Don't get hung up on your faith. Faith is really the, the gift of God to us, but faith is not what we're to put our faith in. We're pu- to put our faith in Christ.
0: That's a scary thought, isn't it? God has no backup plan for salvation, just total trust in Christ and His death and resurrection. The train is going to pull out from the station, maybe very soon, and if we try to board with any ticket other than faith in the risen Christ, we will find ourselves left behind. Over the past weeks we have seen overwhelming evidence that the only way into heaven is through the righteousness provided by the Lord Jesus. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us through the first three chapters of the book of Romans. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel where he has been serving since 1981. His practical, expository messages come to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We're a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will also find previous programs on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. Another resource is our CD and cassette ministry. Those are available by telephone, and each CD or cassette contains an entire message without announcements. If you would like to place an order, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. If the only way to eternal life is through the righteousness that God gives to... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)